Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. It's about replacing a failed and corrupt political establishment with a new government controlled by you, the American people. The Washington establishment and the financial and media corporations that fund it exist for only one reason, to protect and enrich itself. The establishment has trillions of dollars at stake in this election. For those who control the levers of power in Washington and for the global special interest, they partner with these people that don't have your good in mind. Our campaign represents a true existential threat like they haven't seen before. This is not simply another four-year election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization that will determine whether or not we, the people, reclaim control over our government. The political establishment that is trying to stop us is the same group responsible for our disastrous trade deals, massive illegal immigration, and economic and foreign policies that have bled our country dry. The political establishment has brought about the destruction of our factories and our jobs as they flee to Mexico, China, and other countries all around the world. It's a global power structure that is responsible for the economic decisions that have robbed our working class, stripped our country of its wealth, and put that money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you, it's for themselves. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie 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 and then again they will do worse than that they will do whatever is necessary the clintons are criminals remember that this is well documented and the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread 
criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only thing that can stop this corrupt machine is you. The only force strong enough to save our country is us. The only people brave enough to vote out this corrupt establishment is you, the American people. Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. I didn't need to do this, folks, believe me. I built a great company, and I had a wonderful life. I could have enjoyed the fruits and benefits of years of successful business deals and businesses for myself and my family, instead of going through this absolute horror show of lies, deceptions, malicious attacks. Who would have thought? I'm doing it because this country has given me so much, and I feel so strongly that it's my turn to give back to the country that I love. I'm doing this for the people and for the movement, and we will take back this country for you, and we will make America great again. All right. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Where we in the world? My name is Josh, and welcome to the Ready Pill Project's Daily Dose. Oh shit! Sorry, pilled. Excuse me. I think I'm streaming on the wrong, uh, wrong, wrong thing. I'm pilled. We'll see here in a second. I hope everybody is having a fantastic day, and welcome to our part two of this, uh, I guess what you want to call it is this uh, unfolding global conspiracy. That's what I like to call it, because it just makes sense. It's, it's, it's easy. Yesterday, we talked about Q. We talked about the plan, the plan to save the world. And what really this is, after multiple years of evolution, what that really means, what it is, what was happening there, why that was happening. Now we're going to look at the other side. Now we're going to look at what Donald Trump was just talking about in that video. This establishment. We're going to we're going to look at we're going to look at what they've done. Why they've done what they do. Done. What they're doing now. And this is critical because we're we're seeing this war right now. <laughs> spill out into the streets. And I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know. But, you know, everything for a reason. Donald Trump today went on a multi-truth, um, a multi-truth posting. Within that, there are some special nuggets. We're going to show you one of those nuggets here in a little while, which really confirms... <laughs> Everything we've been saying. Um, so we're going to check that out. But, you know, a few things. Excuse me. Uh, let's get the uh, the laundry out of the way first. Today's Tuesday. So tonight on socialredpill.com, also redpillpatrons.com, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll be having our After Dark chat. 
After Dark Chat is a live Q and A. There's there's After Dark there's After Chats every night on the social red pill. Um, just go on in there, open up the Zoom on the events tab, and you can jump in. Usually, people in there on Tuesday nights. I join um, for a minimum of at least an hour. Um, and we do a Q&A, and people can ask me questions, and we can talk and have conversations. Sometimes we're just drinking beers till all ends of the hours of the night, and who knows where the conversation goes. So socialredpill.com, you can see the, the link being put out right now. Um, and so if you guys are not a member of that, please go ahead and, and join that. Uh, completely free to join, but if you do want to support us in any way, shape, or form, there are ways to do that right there as well as we do the crypto mastermind and a few other things we're gonna move the mic just a little bit closer so you guys can hear me not that i'm not loud enough but uh so you guys can hear me um other things other things what else do we have going on um dark delight show is uh potentially potentially uh we're in talks right now uh potentially going to be broadcast every morning so um, it won't be broadcast on Red Pills TV or any of our channels. And the reason being is because it will be competing with Morning Coffee, which is in the same time slot. And Morning Coffee should be coming back very, very shortly. Got an update from Vinci Pooh over there that uh, looks like the internet could be installed any day now. And so we can wait for uh, Morning Coffee to be coming back. And so uh, Dark Delight won't be streaming on our channels. But um, I'm right now... Um, Talking with American Media Periscope and uh, potentially going to be broadcasting on American Media Periscope, maybe even live. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but we're talking next week on that. So that'll be some pretty cool developments right there. What else do we have? <clears throat> well, I think that's it for news. The hell of it. Let's jump right into this. Today's episode is called The Great Reset versus The Great Awakening. And this is really this 150-year plan. Um, that has been orchestrated on humanity. Um, I can I can go back and I can go back all the way to ancient Babylon if you want me to take you through the history. We'll be here eight hours, but uh, I don't think we need to do that. I think we can just go back uh, 150 years and kind of understand what was happening in the world. Um, you know, 150 years ago, America was under attack consistently. They always wanted to take down America. Um, this is the British Empire. This is the banking cartels. This is, you know, foreign adversaries. This is the various brotherhoods and um, occult societies. Not necessarily certain occult societies, but other various secret societies that had infiltrated much of the world. Um, and they tried very hard to infiltrate America. And once the communists and the socialist revolutions came about in Eastern Europe around the 1850s, this is when we started seeing a lot of progress in this. They realized that, you know, instead of going out there and, and doing things legally, that they had to play dirty, that they had to go in through the backside and infiltrate uh, the academic, the social, the cultural, the political centers. And this is what they did in Europe, and they almost switched Europe into full-blown socialism in the 1850s, the 1860s. And this was kind of like a test bed for the Rothschilds, who uh, um, Amschau Rothschild is the one who actually wrote the Communist Manifesto, not Karl Marx. Karl Marx was actually his uh, uh, brother-in-law. But anyways, as we progress forward, we go into the Civil War. From the Civil War, we go into the Act of 1871. The Act of 1871 is one of the first doctrines that's developed in the United States of America that is kind of the, 
the first nail in the coffin. Um, the Civil War actually is, is the first nail in the coffin. Many people have this perspective that the Civil War was fought over um, slavery. Um, yeah, it was, but it wasn't. We have to bring in the perspective that um, the northern states, they understood that people were people and, you know, they still had slaves in the northern states, FYI. I hope everybody understands that. They still had slaves in the northern states. The Republican Party grew out of the anti-slavery party, right? They wanted to get rid of it. Um, but the real push came about from modernization is that the world was modernizing within technological aspects. Technolog technological progressions were being made all throughout the world, and the United States was still utilizing antiquated farm equipment. Uh, that, that's really what it was. Pole plows, um, donkeys, mules, horses, and slave labor. And so <clears throat> you had Eli Whitney, um, and then I think his name was James Holcomb um, in England who developed something known as a cotton gin. There's multiple variations of this that came about. And the Holcomb being actually one of my relatives, uh, that's how I know his name. If you actually go to Cooperstown, New York, uh, there is the um, Farmers, what is it, the Farmers uh, Hall of Fame or the Farmers Museum right next to Cooperstown. And inside there, you can go in there, you can see Eli Whitney's cotton gin, you can see uh, Holcomb's cotton gin, you can see a lot of these other different types of technologies around that time that were revolutionizing farming in the North and in the South. Well, Abraham Lincoln, you know, there is a few little things that were going on in this country. Um, Abraham Lincoln, I don't know if he was a good guy, if he was a bad guy. Does it really matter? I don't know. But we do know that he was in negotiation with bringing some of this technology over to the United States of America to help us progress forward. Um, in order to do that, he had to secure money most notably the British pound, in order to buy it internationally and get it to the United States of America. Now, this is one of the primary aspects of the federal government that they have the power to do. They enter into an international treaty, do international commerce, and these types of things. Well, the problem was is that the only way that Britain would sell it to the United States of America is if they took out a loan from the Bank of England. Now do you see where like this kind of gets like, I don't want to do that. Well, Lincoln and the Congress, they all came together and said, sure, let's just, let's just take out a loan. We're, we're doing good here. We'll be all right. And the South was like, no. Like, you know, what, 30 years ago or, sorry, 60 years ago, we went to war with these people over our freedom. And part of this, this was due to their central banks. We're, we're not taking out loans from them. It's not happening. And the North is like, well, we've already voted on it, so you kind of got to do it. And uh, the South is like, no. Well, basically, the way that they were going to force or coerce the South into this was to basically end slave labor. Because if the South ended slave labor, then they would be forced to upgrade their equipment. The South is like, okay, listen, we'll come back to the table, but you got to give us like five, ten years to migrate over, the transition over. And the North is like, no, you got to do it now. <clears throat> and this is what really caused... The, the Civil Wars, the, the South saw that the North was weak and going back towards England. And they were angry about this, rightfully so, and they formed their own uh, segmentation of the United States of America and went to war with the North. And this brought about the Civil War. 
After the Civil War, we have the uh, Maximation Proclamation. Uh, proclamation. We have a few other things that come out of this. We have the 13th and then eventually down the road, the 14th Amendment. The 13th Amendment, okay? And, and what I'm, and for those who are just joining in, what I'm explaining here is we're explaining the Great Reset versus the Great Awakening. Yesterday, we talked a lot about the plan to save the world, what has been happening for the last, like, uh, two decades in the sense of the patriots against the deep state. Now we're going to talk about where, how the deep state, how the cabal have got where they are today. And we're starting here with the Civil War. <clears throat> okay, so we have the 13th Amendment, the 13th Amendment of the Constitution. And I know some people are going to say this is that's not the real 13th Amendment. It's not. Did you know the actual Constitution of the United States of America is uh, potentially not even the real Constitution of the United States of America? That in after the War, War of 1812, the United States Constitution disappeared for some 70 years. Look it up. Look it. You know what? I'll do the pleasure. How about this? U.S. Constitution document. You got to search Google U.S. Constitution document. There is going to come up with a wiki page. page. Um, I think it's what it's called. Um, Constitution of the United States of America. I think that's it. And once you go to the Constitution under there, we're going to go to, I know what I'm sharing my screen. I know what I'm sharing my screen. We're going to go on over here. All right. Um, there should be something under here that says actual document. History. Is it under history? Where is it? It's in here somewhere. I know it's in here. Ratified, numerated. I'll find it. I'll find it. Anyways. Um, related. Man, where is it? Well, I can't find it in here. There, there's a, a part in here. I don't know if it's in this wiki document or what, but it, it talks about James Madison and how he had the, uh, the constitution. Um, let me see if I can find I, I want to find this because it, it, it's better to show validation and proof other than just saying something, you know? Um, is that what I'm looking for? Original? Let's, let's see here. Loist. I can't spell. But many people don't know this, that the original United States Constitution was lost for a certain time period. And that in after the War of 1812, you got to remember what happened. England went in and burned down much of Washington, D.C. When they did this, uh, one of the buildings burned down was the War Department. And in the one of the closets of the War Department, they found the actual original copy of the Constitution. Now, does that make any sense at all? That we have this Constitution which unifies all these states, right? And all of a sudden, you know, 
what, 15 years after the revolution, this thing is sitting in the war, war room, well, in the war building, right, in a closet. Makes no sense. But this is how the story goes. And I wanted to show you the actual story. That's why uh, I was trying to put it up. Um, Constitution uh, document lost. Maybe it is a Mandela effect. I'm pretty sure it's not because I've read this multiple times. I got it in my notes. Um, but anyways, what happens is, is they find it. It goes to James Madison's house. It comes back. Um, a reporter is doing a article on it in the 1840s. He sees a copy of it, and it doesn't show back up until 1874. And now that's important. But the 13th Amendment used to be that nobody shall take titles of nobility. No person who's in a position of politician or authority shall take a, a, a title granted from nobility, like, um, like sir or your honor. <laughs> well, see how that worked out for them. Okay. So, moving forth, the 13th Amendment then became that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, okay? Remember this. This is what outlawed slavery. No, it didn't. If there's any constitutional legal, legal scholars out there, okay? If there's any constitutional legal scholars out there, the 13th Amendment does not outlaw slavery, Okay? Now, how do I know this? Number one is the Constitution is not a document that declares law, but instead is a contract between the people and the federal government limiting the federal government in their authority of what they can do. Okay? So amendments to the Constitution are from the people to the government telling the government what they cannot interfere with. It doesn't define levels of freedom. You got to remember in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. That right there says all men are free. We declared it. Doesn't need to be reiterated in the Constitution. So the 13th Amendment comes out and says that no human being shall exist in a state of slavery or involuntary servitude. Now, if you're a legal person out there, a lawyer, a scholar, what I want you to do is I want you to look at what's not there, what's not being said, okay? So what's the opposite of slavery? We have freedom, okay? Then we have what's the opposite of involuntary servitude? We have voluntary servitude. So the 13th Amendment states that a human being can exist in a state of freedom or slavery or voluntary slavery. Voluntary slavery being contractual law. Okay? Now, the 14th Amendment, known as the Dred, Dred Scott Amendment, this comes out soon after because Dred Scott wanted the, he was in the North. He wanted to go start a business and nobody would recognize him. No one cared to do business with him. Guess what? That was their right. But it was... Still a very, very tumultuous time. And so they passed what's called the 14th Amendment, which basically states that all persons born in the United States are citizens of the United States and fall in the, the jurisdiction of those respective states. And they have the rights and privileges of those respective states. Now, the problem with the 14th Amendment is in the etymology and the definition of various words, namely person. 13th Amendment states that you can be in a state of freedom 
or voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude being contractual law. The Fourth Amendment states that all people are to be secure in their person. Constitutionally defined person is a legal identity, a legal entity. It could be a business, a corporation. It can be you, a human being, entering into contract. So the 14th Amendment comes out and says all persons born, all persons born is all contracts created in the United States corporation fall under the jurisdiction of the United States and the states and are given the privileges and immunities, U.S. code, thereof. Okay? So the 13th and the 14th Amendment really enslaved people. And then this is soon after. You got to remember, they're trying to codify the U.S. code during this time. And they wouldn't do it. They couldn't pass a resolution. Well, the Act of 1871 comes about and basically makes the federal government and states, municipalities, cities, all these things, corporations, incorporated, unincorporated, municipality, all these different things. Makes them a corporation. Right after that, 1874 is when they codified the U.S. code. Why? Because it falls under that privileges and immunities under the corporation. The 14th Amendment was the setup for the Act of 1871. It had no jurisdictional authority until the corporation was actually created, of which then smaller corporations, persons, could fall underneath it and be privy to their jurisdiction. So this is one of the, the, the first parts of the coup of America. Um, and, and listen, there were great philanthropists in the United States of America during this time who knew this, who understood this, and tried to stop this. Um, we have this, right? Okay. If you remember, and I got to get my names right here. Um, I got to get my names right. Uh, I, I want to get my names right on this one. As I always just nuke this. So, Teddy Roosevelt. This is a, always a story that I talk about. Um, because it, it, it's important. And you can find this information in the public. Okay? Teddy Roosevelt was vice president to President McKinley. Right? McKinley was in Buffalo Roosevelt was in D.C. Roosevelt, which is one of the massive Illuminati bloodlines, was good friends with another American dynasty that had funded their campaign, got them in the power. But McKinley wasn't doing what they really wanted to do for American philanthropy. And, and during this time, the late 1800s, early 1900s, we saw this kind of like comp competitive uh um, global community drawing up where Europe and the United States were competing in a financial perspective. Now, who is this other family? Hmm. I don't know. Should we tell? His name was John Jacob Astor. The Astor family. The Waldorf Astoria. So, the Astor family was one of the most wealthiest families in the world and the United States during this time. The Astors funded Roosevelt and McKinley. Well, John Astor, all right, by the way, which died on the Titanic. Hmm, interesting. Um, kind of like a coup of power, maybe? Um, so what happened is, is McKinley gets shot and killed in Buffalo. Roosevelt comes in the power. Okay. But it's interesting because 
Astor sent Roosevelt a letter from New York City congratulating him on becoming president. The letter is dated... Well, how about this? The letter is received... Okay? The letter is received a day after McKinley died. Not even 12 hours after McKinley died. Now, can a horse ride that fast and get a letter from New York City to Washington, D.C. in 12 hours? No. That means that John Jacob Astor sent the letter the day before McKinley died. Right? So Roosevelt comes in, starts changing policies. He's a true Republican. Well, then we have Howard Taft that comes in, which is a successor to Roosevelt, picked and selected. Right? Roosevelt goes over to the Horn of Africa, does his tour, and then hears that Taft basically became a progressive. That Taft is now a Democrat in ruining the country and undoing everything that he had put into place. So he comes back and says, hey, I'm going to run against you. And Taft's like, okay, whatever, let's do it. By the way, William Howard Taft is the great-great-grandfather of Bill, Bill Clinton, interesting enough. So Roosevelt decides to enter the election, right? I think it was like the, 19, uh, the 1912 election or whatever it is. And he comes in. And it's basically Woodrow Wilson, Taft, and then Roosevelt. And they threw another third-party candidate in there, which basically ruined Roosevelt's chances, of which Taft gets the nomination, loses against Wilson. Wilson comes in, and then you have the Federal Reserve System that is created his first year of the presidency in 1912 on December 24th, passed through Congress with only 24% of Congress present because of the holiday and never truly ratified through the states. And this is where the decline of all this happens and the globalists take control. And it was a year later that the Titanic sunk. And who do we have on it? We had John Jacob Astor. John Jacob Astor was on this boat. We had, uh, what was it, J.P. Moore, John, uh, John Piercemont Morgan is the one who gave him the ticket. And they never showed up. The other side of the globalists never showed up. And so basically they realized that deals had been made and they were kicked out of the cool boys club well now we go into world war one then we go into world war two then we go into the great depression we get another roosevelt comes in and this time he's a progressive monster he creates a social security administration the new deal starts implementing various aspects of socialism because by this time we had been infiltrated at that very level you gotta remember remember the mccarthy era you know mccarthy died mysteriously mccarthy was right we were being infiltrated by communists in the 1950s. He had every right to investigate that. And it's said, it's rumored that there's, it was people like George Herbert Walker Bush or the people that had him killed. Because his daddy Bush, daddy Bush, Prescott Bush, we have, uh, we have uh, William Walker, right? And Prescott Bush, which are uh, owners of the, uh, what is it? First Capital Bank in New York City, which funded the Nazis and actually um, was committed, uh, tried with treason by the federal government. This is the, the 42nd president of the United States is, or the 31st president of the United States' is father who was tried with treason. We had the Smetley Butler incident. Smetley Butler, a Marine Corps general, three, um, three, uh, man, I'm going to forget about it now. It's a... Uh, <laughs> Um, 
uh, Medal of Honor, three-time medal. Well, he was a two-time Medal of Honor recipient, one-time Navy Cross recipient. Um, and the third one, the first one that he got was a Navy Cross, and it should have been a Medal of Honor, but they weren't giving him out at that time. But Smetley Butler was, it's called the, um, what is it, called the Banking Corporation Incident or whatever. He's, he had a whole bunch of uh, corporation leaders come up to him and say that they they wanted him to lead an army in the Washington, D.C. and formulate a coup on the country and take it over and make a fascist country. He went and told the president about this. He went and told Congress about this, and they all laughed at him. Oh, yeah. The, the, what is it called? The Banker Business Plot? I think it's the Banker Business Plot. Great book, but you should check it out because it's completely legitimate. Is this stuff actually happened during this time? And this is when the first coup was formulated on the United States of America. And then with the rise of communism in you know, the Soviet era, era in Eastern Europe, you know, they had to start changing their tone because now we had another superpower to compete with that was outside of the the control of the United States of America. And this is where the aspect, aspects of clandestine and espionage come in, of infiltration. And they learned a lot during the 1950s and the 1960s. There was an institute. Um, you have a guy by the name of Colonel House, who was a British colonel who was working with the United States during World War I and World War II. He came out in Canada um, he came down from Canada into the United States, and he established something known as the Tavistock Institute. We're actually going to be talking about the Tavistock Institute MK Ultra this Friday. And he established something known as the Tavistock Institute. And you should just look up the horrors of what they did to human beings, to children, to people, in the sense of testing them. Psychological warfare, MK Ultra, those types of things. And it was really the the precursor to MK Ultra was what the Tavistock Institute was doing. And a lot of the research for MK Ultra came out of the Tavistock Institute. And this is during the 1940s, the 1950s, and the 1960s. So we see this formulation and then they start to realize that, hey, look, well, why don't we just go back to our original perspective, control the economy, and at the same time, utilize that money and influence that we're gaining through controlling the economy to infiltrate politics, to infiltrate our education systems, to hijack all these various systems. And so when you fast forward, you start looking at all the various wars, you start looking at all the other things that are happening in the world over the next 30 to 40 years, and it leads you up to about September 11th. And September 11th was a critical moment for the deep state and the cabal because if they could pull that off, they could pull the veil over the eyes of humanity. And that's exactly what they did. And allowing or from the, um, from the, the post-World War II era when they started passing War Powers Act to the post-9-11 event when they started passing the Patriot Act, they had American citizens right where they wanted them. I mean, we are basically financially corrupt and collapsed by the end of September 11th. We had the, the dot-com boom collapse right before it, right after we had the September 11th collapse. And we are coming out of it. And then we go into the 2008 collapse. Um, and there's massive problems. And war was the only thing that perpetuated us out of that, or at least that's what we were led to believe. But really what was happening was an erosion of our liberties, our rights, and our freedoms during these various different events. And that kind of brings us to modern day, is we start hearing in the early 1990s <clears throat> about something known as Agenda 21. 
and then the UN's implementation of something known as Codex Alimentarius. Codex Alimentarius had really been going on for a long time, and this was the codification of the, the global food supply. Um, in the 1970s, you had the first genetically modified um, foods come about. The first one that was actually genetically modified in the world was not corn. It was wheat. Wheat was the first genetically modified product in 1971, 1972. And this is when the gluten and celiac disease started coming about in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Um, and genetically modified foods started being rampant and pharmaceutical companies really started rising up in prowess during this time because of all the money that was being made in the technological advancement from Silicon Valley and Wall Street, then pumping their money back into the pharmaceutical industry um, and and really growing up this ill for or this pill for every ill. And if you've seen these pi- these pictures, right, you've seen these pictures of, you know, people at beaches, you see no fat or obese or overweight people really during the 1960s and the 70s. And the reason being is because there wasn't any because people ate healthy and the food was much, much purer than it is today. But that all changed with the implementation of pesticides and crop sprains and all this stuff. You know, one of the big tests of this was the DDT incidences that came about in the 1940s and the 1950s. And they even say that that was the onset of polio. That's what created polio in the first case and and gave them a reason to begin mass vaccination of people. Anyway, so we start moving forward and we start seeing this medical tyranny being formulated throughout the world. And this is the, the, the crimes of perpetuation that these people have done on them. And then in 1990s, they bring back this old 1970s um, agenda that they were bringing about called global warming. And you notice it was global warming throughout the 90s. And now it's global climate change because they have to take away the warming thing. Because if it switches and starts getting colder, they're going to call it global cooling. But they had the Kyoto Treaty, which was entered into, which is illegally entered into by the United States because no uh, diplomat or politician or president can actually enter into a treaty without congressional approval. So the Kyoto, the Kyoto Treaty here for the United States of America was absolutely 100% illegal, but it was talking about reducing emissions and all these things to help bring about a sustainable future. And this is where that keyword sustainable started to come about in the world is around 1992. And this is when they brought about what they're called their sustainable agenda 21 2021 of how they want to change the world and implement various different policies within corporations within businesses within governments and within society by the year 2021 you don't hear about it anymore because we're in the year 2022 and they succeeded in everything that they were trying to do along with this was a recodification of all of the food supply Um, Basically transitioning food supplies away from the things that are healthy and keep you, um, you know, fit and strong to things that are controlled and processed and, you know, doused in massive amounts of pesticides. Not what they said, but that's kind of what they were hinting towards. And that's exactly what's going on right now. And there is many people that came out and blew the whistle in the 90s and the early 2000s about Codex Alimentarius, Agenda 21, and warning people they're going to do this. This is one of the ways that Alex Jones actually got really, really big is because he jumped on board and started reporting on this stuff. Then we see the rise of the Bilderberg Group meetings, and the Bilderberg Group meetings start talking about sustainable development and start talking about the implementation of this, the control of the food supply. So 
By this time, they had already controlled all business, all philanthropy. They controlled all the money systems. And now they were going for the kill shot to control the supply chain, the food supply. Because if they understand that they can control the food that people eat and they can control the toxicity of the food that people eat, they control the world ultimately. And the last part of that would be water. And this is what we're seeing right now. So after... After all this, you move ahead about 15 years, they start looking at their sustainable goals, they see that they're going to meet them. Now they come up with a new agenda known as Agenda 2030. And this is where things really get interesting because this is where we enter stage left, 2009-2010, someone known as the World Economic Forum with a guy by the name of Klaus Schwab who is a protege of a Nazi billionaire, a Nazi sympathizer and billionaire. And Klaus Schwab comes out and starts getting massive amounts of funding. And you got to remember also, this is around the same time that the Bilderberg Group meetings start going clandestine. They start kind of just dropping off the map and you start to stop hearing about them. Um, And this is towards Barack Obama's second term. And the reason you see that is because they have a public mouthpiece now known as the World Economic Forum. This is where globalists unite and come together and they start planning publicly what they're going to do to their businesses, their corporations, and how they're going to implement it into society and how they're going to implement it into various governments. Um, Klaus Schwab's book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution came out in 2014 and he really, really maps out this progression of technological advancement that's leading to something that he calls the transhumanistic agenda. And the transhumanistic agenda is really the integration of humanity with artificial intelligence and technology. And where basically our whole world is taken care of um, through automation. That the whole world becomes a massive surveillance state Everything in the sense of jobs and skilled labor is done through automation and human beings can just relax and sit back and collect a a global basic income and not have to worry about anything except for reading and expanding their mind. But the population is going to be much, much smaller by this time because lots of things are going to happen in the the population of the, or the, the system that they're developing cannot sustain a large population. And he hints towards this in the book. I got it right here. And so 2014, he comes out, basically makes his predictions of what the future is going to bring, which was really a manifesto of how this is all going to unfold. This is the same time in 2014 that the Chinese government comes out and their military comes out and starts talking about gain-of-function research on novel coronaviruses and the weaponization of various different novel viruses that are jumping into human beings and creating vaccines that can call the society. Hmm, interesting. Same year that Anthony Fauci at the National Institutes of Health starts bringing about the gain-of-function research on novel coronaviruses, the same as China, because if they're doing it, we got to do it, Right. It's the same time that they transfer that research after Barack Obama shuts it down over to Wuhan labs through the World Health Organization, through multiple different proxies and a third party known as EcoHealth Alliance. And they begin the development of multiple different strands of this COVID variant virus that was genetically created in a lab. Hmm. So that's kind of where we're at. But then all of a sudden... We take all the information that we talked about yesterday. This isn't even talking about the the human trafficking trade, the child sex slave, the uh, child sex trade. It's not talking about the human organ 
uh, business that is going on with children and adults, not talking about the, the massive satanic aspect that is being drawn up. And for everybody out there, my perspective of what Satanism is, excuse me, Satanism is the antithesis of spirituality, okay? So when you look at these things, you have to look at kind of the, uh, the occult meaning, where Satanism is the antithesis of spirituality. So it's devoid of spirit. It's the removal of spirit. And it's the removal of this inner self, this inner guidance, this, this God that we're all connected with. That's what Satanism is. And that's what these people worship. Okay? So we see this, all this stuff in the backdrop. And this is what these guys that were out there trying to figure out, okay, who are these deep state figures that are out there that are all trying to um, sell military secrets to China? And they start uncovering, you know, Epstein, Maxwell, um, Hillary Clinton going to, you know, little Jeffrey's Island, Bill Clinton going over there, the, the, the videos of them going to parties. We remember in 2015, Hillary Clinton was down in South America and some of the secret service agents got busted with prostitutes and Hillary Clinton was said was with one as well. We're seeing all that stuff start to come out. So they start uncovering all these other crimes that these people are doing. And they're like, this is sick. There, there's something else deeper going on here. And there is an esoteric agenda. There is a, an occult aspect to how all this unfolded and what was really, really happening in the backdrop. And there's various infiltrations of occult orders within the late 1800s and the early 1900s, predominantly within the arts um, the arts community in the early 1900s, and this came about from a guy by the name of Aleister Crowley. And if you don't know who Aleister Crowley is, he was named one of the most wickedest men ever to live. But he was really anything but one of the most wickedest men ever to live. Um, Aleister Crowley was just a man who studied what we would call modern day magic. Now, what what is that? Modern day magic, in a sense, is just this... Um, this process of utilizing your mind in guidance with the spiritual world to bring about and manifest whatever you want in your life through a natural process. Well, Aleister Crawley took it a little bit further. He stole the various documents from the Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, from the Theosophists, and he kind of perverted them in his own way. And he created a new religion, and I say religion, called the Lima. And the Lima really got picked up by the arts communities in the early 1900s and became the staple of Northern California in the, the, the Northern and Mid-California areas for uh, the, the, the arts and the media communities. And they all started practicing the Lima. Um, and this is kind of where the birth of modern day, I, I guess if you want to call it Luciferianism or Satanism, actually began is with the idea of the Lima, because in the Lima, they talk about what's called facing east or the orientation or the word orient means from the east, deriving from the east. OK, so if we're talking about oriental, that means that it's deriving from the east. Now, esoterically, that word actually means the right brain. OK, that ever what so it's uh, yeah so it's a uh, north northeast yeah so it's it's the right brain but basically you have to look at it in that sense it's the right brain that they're talking about but occultly the orient is representative of what's known as a channel of magic now 
you have to understand that on a very, very high level of mind, of spirit, of God, and all these things, there exist other realms of existence, other realms of which energy exists and permeates. And that you can communicate with those various different realms, and certain people have gifts to do that. Um, it's forbidden, in a sense, in the Bible. Well, what Aleister Crowley did is he opened up a channel of magic with one of these realms. And this is called the Orient. This is how you orient to your channel of magic. That's like the right brain of the magical center. So when they say Orient or from the East, they're really talking about orienting towards that magical channel. In order to keep that magical channel alive, there has to be a variation of sacrifice. Because what you're doing is you're exchanging high levels of energy with this other dimensional zone. And so you have to keep that energy zone open. And so sacrifice in, in Christianity and in, in various other religions and philosophies and in occultism has multiple different meanings. There's, there's various aspects of occultism, and it's all hidden in code. This aspect of occultism, uh, what they were talking about in the Lima, originally was really the kind of uh, sacrificing your time, your energy, your effort, your mind, your thoughts, these types of things. But they took it to the next level and they began sacrificing actual people of the, the nescient sense. And nescient is just another word for virgin in the sense of knowledge or understanding. And they realized that they could sustain these windows into this magical channel by sacrifice. And this is the birth of modern-day Satanism and Luciferianism, uh, which was real, renamed because of the infiltration by the, the Lemists and other various dark occultists during this time. Luciferianism before this time was not what you think it is. It's not what the Bible says it is, and it had nothing to do with any of that stuff. It wasn't even associated with, with Satan. And Satan itself, Satan, obviously the word comes from um, Arabic, but Satan just meant the lower self, the restful lower self. So when we start getting into that aspect of it, we start seeing this infiltration of the occultists. And they really start to take over the whole world during this time through infiltration of society, of media, of culture, of, of news and media. Um, and they have a lot to do with what's being perpetuated now. So now you fast forward back to the World Economic Forum and you start seeing a lot of these people at these different functions wearing a lot of different things, showing all these different symbols. Um, and, and this is really, really truthful that these people have came together and lost their humanity, lost their spirituality, and are most likely, I would say, either working for something that is outside of them or they just came about and said that they're ready to just kill all of humanity because humanity is in a, a massive state of ignorance. I don't know what it is. I, I got my theories on it. But either way, we see the eugenics, um, the eugenics agenda coming about in the late 1800s. And this is where things really start to ramp up in the country. Um, and we, this is where Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood come about. This is where the Rockefellers come in and begin funding that. And then we had Nazi Germany, which the Nazis weren't supposed to lose. But what happened is, and this is really, really interesting, because you got to remember the Nazis were basically ordained by the Catholic Church. The King of England funded the Nazis. The King of the Netherlands funded the Nazis. They wanted them to win. They wanted them to destroy all of the old country and win because they knew that they could control um, 
they could control fascism if it took over all of Europe. Well, what happened is, is Adolf Hitler said, dude, I got the biggest army in the world. I got more power than you can ever imagine. F you guys. I don't need your money. I don't need you. Get out of my way. I'm going to bomb the shit out of you. And so Europe kind of goes, uh-oh, we created a monster. What are we going to do? And uh, they go to the United States of America, and uh, the globalists over here are like, oh, okay, well, we'll send an America, and this is what we need to do. We just need to cut off all the supply lines, and we can take them out. And that's exactly what they did. And we were lucky because it was right after the Soviets basically lost, what, 20 million people in a large uh, war with them and really uh, disintegrated much of the Nazi uh, regime. And then we come in and kind of just clean up. Um, but, you know, there, there's various different aspects of what was really happening there. Is there, there was ethnic cleansing. It wasn't just the Jews that died. It, you know, we, we tend to think of the Holocaust of how they slaughtered 2.3 million Jews. Well, what you don't know is they also slaughtered 2.3 million other people as well. Whites, blacks, um, doesn't matter their skin color. They Christians, socialists, tra- it, they, they slaughtered everybody. Okay, so it wasn't just the Jews that died in World War II. It was a calling of humanity, okay? And then we can get into the whole conspiracy aspect of that, but that's a conversation for another day in the sense of the population and how none of that makes sense and the, the destruction that happened in World War I and World War II is really the cover-up, an ancient civilization that existed on this planet just a few hundred years ago and to destroy all their technology. You know, I, I kind of agree with that in a very good sense because the evidence is actually there. All right, so now we move forward to modern day. They realize that they can't call civilization through wars. It's just too difficult. But the best way is through chemical castration. The best way is through the, uh, the poisoning and toxicity in the food supply. And they start this agenda after World War II, and they change their funding from eugenics into medical science. This came about right after World War II when the Rockefeller Foundation, who funded Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, the eugenics revolution in the early 1900s, switched their funding to something known as the Flexner Report and brought in the modern-day medical community. This is where the pharmaceutical companies jumped in. Basically, the pharmaceutical companies, I don't know if you guys knew this, IG Farmer and all these guys, they were the old bio-warfare companies that were developing mustard gas and various other biochemicals for World War I and World War II for the Allies. That's where pharmaceutical companies really came from. And they just kind of came home and switched gears and said, oh, now we're going to create good drugs for people because we love you. So they come out, and through the Flexner Report, basically the whole medical organization and the federal government restructured, and the federal government got involved in your health, which had never before happened. And regulations and laws started coming out about how people could actually manage their own health. This is where vaccine mandates came about. This is where the, the whole standard American diet comes about. This is where the infiltration within our food supply comes about, where you have uh, cross-productive, cross-border cross production of various goods and services that are critical to national security. These types of things that you have to use these different fertilizers. You can't use these other things. The the basically the destruction of the apothecary, the destruction of holistic health happened during this time. And this was brought about for a long-term agenda to call humanity, to basically create massive amounts of disease and cancers and kill off humanity and eventually make them infertile so that the human population decreases slowly over time. And this is exactly what they did. And I think that they wanted it to happen a lot more than it actually did. 
So now you fast forward to the modern day, and what happens is Donald Trump comes in, what we talked about yesterday, he starts cleaning the house, he starts investigating these people, but he's really setting them up for what's coming next, and they basically do what they have to do because this was the critical moment. They were at a point of vulnerability with their agenda, and they had to implement it at that point in time, and then all of a sudden Donald Trump came in and started dismantling everything. He put them decades behind, so after they formed the coup on Donald Trump, they only had so much time to begin the implementation of their agenda. And they did this coup by the release of, obviously, the bioweapon, then the release of the second bioweapon, which was the COVID vaccine, which is an adherent to population control, which we're seeing actually have its effects on the world right now. And then that leads us up to the modern day of where we have this potentially special military operation that is operating, collecting this information on all of these people. We have a lot of people that are basically going to be casualties of war from what is happening. We have massive points of vulnerability, and we have the red line coming up with the midterm elections. And how we got here was explained the last two days. So now let's jump into what we see here. So one of the names that was actually mentioned, I'm just going to transition. One of the names that was actually mentioned in the subpoena was Cash Patel, which should have been redacted, but it wasn't. Um, so the same Russiagate crew running the FBI investigation to the Mar-a-Lago documents is the ones that uh, were running the ones into Russian collusion. And this is uh, um, Weissman. So Andrew Weissman, the lead prosecutor for the former special counsel Robert Mueller's failed efforts to find and then charge President Donald Trump the Russian collusion. And so now all this stuff is coming out because this is what Donald Trump did is he attacked them and they counterattacked him. And now they're coming after him because they understand how powerful Donald Trump's movement actually is. That was the reason for that video that we just saw. And they said that. Patel was clearly in the crosshairs since the Department of Justice chose not to redact his name before releasing the FBI affidavit um, used to raid Mar-a-Lago. Without explaining why, Weissman asserted Cash Patel needs to really be getting a lawyer. Um, and then Peter Strazik and uh, David Ignatius came out and said he needs to lawyer the fuck up. And so they're coming after Cash Patel next. This is going to happen. They're going to go after not only Trump, they're going to go after everybody who helped Trump. Okay? Now... Let's get into a little sub-news before we get into the real news, okay? 37,500 affidavits delivered the Gwinnett County, Georgia Election Board, 2,000 challenging, 20,000 challenging the 2020 election, which should never have been certified in Georgia. What does this mean? Per the press release out the, this morning, two days ago, 37,000 affidavits were delivered to the Gwinnett County, Georgia Election Board challenging voter rolls in the handling of the 2020 election. The affidavits included 20,000 from the 2020 election. Those affidavits prove that the 2020 election should have never been certified in Georgia. The stunning total 37,500 affidavits were delivered to the Gwinnett County Board of Elections Office in challenging the voter rolls and handling the 2020 election. These affidavits include the 20,000 challenges of actual votes that were certified just after the 2020 election. The submitted affidavits only include Gwinnett County vote challenges. Still, the number far exceeds the presidential spread for the entire state of Georgia and confirms the 2020 election should have not have been certified. The team found bloated voter rolls and voter fraud. Gwinnett is the second largest county by population in Georgia, and the team expects the delivery approximately 18,000-plus additional affidavits once research is complete. The small team of volunteers worked diligently analyzing Secretary of State voter rolls, voter history files, and 2020 absent voter absentee file data. To ensure accuracy in the sworn affidavits, the team verified challenges through analysis of SOS data, NCOA results, door-to-door canvassing, property tax records, obituaries, etc. 
And then the Gateway Pundit comes out right after this and says uh, the Gateway Pundit notifies Fulton County, Georgia, Georgia to preserve all data related to the 2020 election. Attorneys representing the Gateway uh, Pundit, Jim Hoff, Joe Hoff, notified Fulton County, Georgia to preserve all evidence related to the 2020 election. The attorneys um, did so. Made the request to numerous parties in Fulton County. The below is the portion of the letter notifying the county of their duty to preserve these items. Um, and this is because the same thing is happening here. And you got to remember, if we can just show that voter fraud happened, which we already have over and over, but legally through their own process, then this really puts a, a, a nail in the coffin of everything that's happening. But we have to do this fast. And it's interesting how it's taken this long, really, to get this far. But uh, these things take time, right? Right. All right, Paul Sperry, let's go on over here. Donald Trump has made a big deal out of this one. Paul Sperry, uh, Dirty Peter Strazik wrote up electronic communication the formula launched Trump-Russia investigation when he was president. Paul Sperry published a string of posts today on Gitter pertaining to Peter Strazik and the electronic communication to formally open the investigation of the President Trump and Russia, something the entire FBI knew was complete garbage at the time they opened their investigation. According to Sperry, the highly classified document dated early May 2017 was written by Peter Strazik at the direction of Andrew McCabe. These people are criminals. Paul Sperry said, Sources tell me there is an electronic communication formally opening a counterintelligence case against Trump when he was president of the United States. It targets Trump personally, not his advisors or campaign. I'm told Strazik wrote it at the direction of Andy McCabe. It's dated early May 2017. The document is highly classified and McCabe ordered no circulation via FBI email. But there is no reason it shouldn't be in the Durham's final report. Shouldn't be disclosed in full now that the whole world knows the Russiagate probe was a hoax. So the very fact that Peter Strazik is sitting in a CNN national security roundtable discussions regarding Trump and the FBI raid investigation smugly popping off with his trademark sneer strongly suggests he is in no legal jeopardy, has not received a target uh, target letter from Durham. There is no way his lawyers would allow him to talk to the FBI and Trump if he were in danger of being indicted. So that's interesting as well. But uh, we'll see what happens with Durham. But basically what this is saying is Peter Strauss, you to remember, he was a liaison to the FBI directed from the CIA who wrote this basically lie directed by Andrew McCabe to kick off the investigation targeting directly the president of the United States. This is criminal. This is treason. This is sedition. And these people will will be persecuted, prosecuted for this. I believe that that is the truth. Another breaking news. Uh, Miranda Devine, FBI was spying on Rudy Giuliani's cloud. They knew when he obtained the laptop from hell, they knew the Post was going to write about it. So this is interesting because what this shows us is that they had active FISA warrants against Giuliani, Trump, and all these other guys. Now, okay, so where does that take us? But we talked about Q yesterday, the plan. I've been saying that... uh, there's been indications coming from Trump that the military is the only way. Since 2017, I speculated that there is a military operation, that most likely the military operation occurred after the coup, after January 20th when Biden took office, and that's when they began collecting their data. Well, guess what? We're getting vindication of this, guys. Listen to this. Look at this title. Trump shares barrage of QAnon content and other conspiracy theories on his social media platform. What did Trump share? Trump retweeted. I know you can't see it. It's really, really small. But right there you can see Donald Trump retweeted. And it says, real Donald Trump 
number Q11, Q post online. What is Q number 11? 29th of October, 2017, the 11th Q post, T, military intelligence versus FBI, CIA, NSA, no approval or congressional oversight, state secrets upheld under Supreme Court. Who is the commander in chief of the military? Under what article can the president impose military intelligence takeover investigations for three letter agencies? What conditions must present itself? Why is this so very important? Who surrounds POTUS? They lost this very important power, the one area of the government not corrupt and directly serves POTUS. Then we go to the one that we've been seeing. Think about it logically. The, the only way is military fully controlled. So Donald Trump retweeted Q post number 11. That's pretty big. One second. Yes. Okay. Hold on one second, guys. I'll be up there in a minute. My daughter wants to have a conversation with me during the show. Okay, so Trump is retweeting. He retweeted tons of various different content pertaining to Q, from memes and everything like that. It was like a meme war today. But the most important one that I saw was where we go one, we go all, which he retweeted. And then this one where Donald Trump comes out and retweets Q number 11. Which is talking about the overtaking of the intelligence communities by the military. Why is that interesting? I'm going to tell you right now why that's interesting. Dan Raisin Kane. What position does he hold currently? He is the senior military official overseeing all operations at the Central Intelligence Agency. Do you see military intelligence versus FBI, CIA, NSA? Why are they only using the FBI through the DOJ to do all this? That's all they have left. And FBI is coming out against them as well. Well, actually, he oversaw all the special access programs during the Trump administration, and he then went to became the senior military official that oversaw all clandestine operations at the Central Intelligence Agency. That's where he's currently at. So, what conditions must present itself? Why is this so very important? Who surrounds POTUS? They lost this very important power. Basically, what this post says is that military intelligence is running these various organizations, the NSA, the CIA. And we're seeing this right now with Dan Kane basically overseeing all military aspects of the Central Intelligence Agency, all clandestine operations, which means that they cannot go out there and run various different investigations unless it goes through Dan Kane. So the CIA can't be sitting there spying on Donald Trump unless Dan Kane knows about it. Hmm. Why wouldn't Biden fire that guy? Because he can't. Because what I was saying yesterday from people that I've been talking to that are incredibly legitimate is that these generals, there's portions and factions of our military that are faithful to the Constitution and Donald Trump and know the election was stolen. And they're not listening to the Joe Biden. They probably already gave him an ultimatum. 
And it all reminds me to go back to that letter that Donald Trump left Joe Biden and to think that potentially what was in that letter was you can have the White House, the military is mine. I don't know. We'll see. It's really interesting how this is all unfolding right now. And so after Trump did all this, what happened is uh, True Social has been barred from the Google Play until they provide additional content moderation, probably because of all their QAnon content. Um, case for redoing the 2020 election now. Um, so Trump came out yesterday and he retruthed this talking about the 2020 election and how they need to declare a winner. Um, the Gateway Pundit, Joe Hoff, comes out and talks about this. Um, we know that the results of the election had a bizarre patterns that were not clearly random. We saw huge blocks of ballot drops and then consistent patterns of Biden to Trump results after that point. He goes in to talk about how basically we can redo the 2020 election. Well, Bannon came out and said, we don't need to. We don't need another national election. It's called a contingent election. And we won 26 to 24. And what is a contingent election? Bannon says, big league, by the way, we're still in a couple of foxholes and we're never giving up. Trump put up last night that, hey, because of Hunter Biden's situation, because of the FBI either getting fired or quitting, because of the Facebook saying FBI told them not to do it, that he won and he wants another election immediately. I keep saying that Biden electors can't get certified. We don't need another national election. It's called the contingent election. It gets flipped. You're not going to flip the Biden electors to Trump electors. You're going, uh, you're going to be not able to certify the Biden electors. And by not certifying Biden electors, the Electoral Count Act of 1887 and our beloved Constitution have a way that it's supposed to happen. That is a contingent election of the House of Representatives where they vote by state delegation. And guess what? Even with Liz Cheney voting Wyoming for Democrats, I think we still win 26 to 24. And Bannon's right. And that's exactly what needs to happen. Alex Jones comes out and warns that the globalists are prepared to do anything to counter the Great Awakening ahead of the midterms. Guys, this is what I've been warning you about. We got a lot of news. Um, we're going we're gonna to try to bust through this. This is what I've been warning you guys about, that they will scorch the earth before they ever give back power. And that is the truth of what we're talking about here is that the midterm elections are coming up, and if they believe that the Republicans are going to win both powers of the houses, and they can't cheat, and they can't steal, and they can't take the power and retain the power, you are going to see all chaos and hell break loose. And just like that, Attorney General Merrick Garland, after 18 various FBI agents have whistleblown to Congress and began releasing documents to Project Veritas and so on and so forth, he threatens DOJ employees about contacting Congress in the current environment he appears to be breaking law, which he actually is. He cannot sit there and tell FBI agents not to whistleblow if they see crime or corruption. Dude, we are in, we are in 100%. Okay, 100%. We are in a totalitarian state. And what do people think? More than 40% of Americans think civil war is likely within a decade. And I guarantee you, when everybody was asked that question, if they think civil war is likely in a decade, they all thought, decade? Shit, you got less than 10 months. 
It's all rigged beyond imagination. Deep state pushing blood in the streets across America before Halloween. Don't fall for it. And this is exactly true. I mean, civil war, blood in the streets. And what did Biden come out today? Biden warns brave right-wing Americans, if you want to fight against your country, you need an F-15. Let's listen to this. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against the country, you need an F-15. You need something a little more than a gun. As weird and unusual as that was, this is not the first time Biden has said this. Biden said this quite a few months ago, is that you're going to need a nuclear weapon, not an AR-15, if you want to go to war against the United States of America. What is he trying to say is that he will issue martial law and use the military against the people of the United States of America. This is something that we talked about the other day. Gavin McInnes apparently arrested during live broadcast. Not a bit, claims his colleague. And if you guys didn't see this, this is Gavin right here. And you can't really hear it. The audio is um, really low. But the FBI barged, FBI and local law enforcement barged into his house during a live broadcast, end up arresting him. Um, this was not a ploy or a bit. This was real and legitimate. And like I've said, they're coming for us. They, they are coming for you and me and everybody. And how are they going to come for us? What is the way they come for us? I'm just checking out a few things here, seeing if there's any. Uh, ooh, ooh, where's my guy? I wanted to get him on as a. Uh, if you guys are interested in being moderators on any of our channels, just let me know. Oh, no, that's what I wanted to do. Um, this was not a ploy oh, no, or bit. You're hearing my voice. I, I'm, I'm looking for something real quick. I wanted the. I, I had to put someone as a mod, and I lost them. Okay, I'll, I'll get it done. I'll, I'll get it done afterwards. But okay, where were we? We were just talking about Gavin, and how are they going to do this? Nonstop tyranny. That's how they're going to do it. Officials uh, who helped IRS target conservative groups in 2020. 2012 to now head up the new office of army of new agents. That's right. This is from natural news. You may recall in the lead up to Barack Obama's 2021 reelection <laughs> polling indicated that he was vulnerable to becoming uh, the one term president because of his far left policies were not overwhelmingly popular with Americans. There were some surveys that even had him behind lukewarm conservatives and GOP nominee Mitt Romney. There's no way Mitt Romney was winning that. Uh, but the hell-bent on bending the rules, Obama's bureaucracy went to the bolstering of his chances, which included the weaponization of the internal revenue system. In particular, one career bureaucrat, Lois Lerner, led an effort to deny conservative political action groups tax-free accreditation so they could campaign on behalf of Romney and other Republicans. Some say the inability of these groups to come online well before the election made the difference in Obama winning a second term. Well, Lois is back. Apparently, Lois is back, and she's going to be helping out with the, uh, the appropriation of these 87,000 agents, as many other people as well uh, from the Obama era are coming in to direct these 87,000 agents over the next 10 years to target conservatives. And so we're talking about civil war. We're talking about the targeting of, of, of conservatives with the FBI, the DOJ, the IRS, financial, economic, or we're talking about political, right? What's next? What General Flynn has to say about all this? 
It's time to activate every single American. And now, I read through this, and this is really important because General Flynn goes through a lot of constitutionality. He talks about the Founding Fathers, the Constitution. But he ends... Lastly, vote. Vote for freedom. Vote for America, but vote. We need to overwhelm the opposition that represents a rapid slide towards socialism and worse. Now, you might be looking at that going, hey, we voted in 2020 and they stole the fucking election from us. What's to to make a difference if I vote again this time? I want you to understand that we have to go through every, every opportunity that we have, that's been granted to us by the Constitution to change the situation. We have to go through every legal aspect. We have to go through every constitutional aspect. And this means that, you know, if, if nobody shows up for the midterms, then they win. But if we overwhelm the midterms, if, if 100 million, 120 million Republicans go out and vote in the midterms and they steal the election, okay, we exhausted all of our avenues. See, that's the thing, is there was 100 million people in the United States of America who were of voting age that didn't vote in the 2020 election. Okay, understand that. 100 million that didn't vote in the 2020 election. There's 100 million that did vote in the 2020 election that aren't even alive, but, but that's besides the point. But so 100 million people in the United States of America that didn't vote in the 2020 election. And so here's the thing, is if we overwhelm Okay, there is no way that they can cheat. If we get 60, 70, 80 percent of the vote, there's no way that they can cheat. But if they do cheat when we get those high levels of that vote, okay, now we have justification for where we go next. Do you understand that? Right? Is if we exhaust all legal avenues, we exhaust all constitutional avenues. If we go through this process, we go out there and 120 million Republicans vote and they say, oh, well, 130 Democrats voted. 130 million Democrats voted. Okay? That's the problem. Is that number becomes so uh, um, extreme that it's completely improbable. The 2020 election was a prime example of this. Donald Trump, 75 million votes. Joe Biden, 86 million. That, that's in mind-blowing that Joe Biden wins more counties than Barack Obama. Gets more votes than Barack Obama in the black neighborhoods. No. So what do we see here is if we overwhelm that vote, let's say 120 million Americans go out there and vote red and produce the red wave. This means that the Democrats have to go out there and produce 121 million votes, which becomes statistical in, statistically improbable. Okay, makes voter fraud a lot easier to prove. And you have to exhaust all these channels before you go to that next part, right? This is what General Flynn's talking about. He's like, look, everybody has to get active, vigilant, and ready. And get ready to vote. Get ready to overwhelm the system. Because if you overwhelm the system and they steal it from us, now we're ready. Now we're ready for part two, for what comes after And this is the deep state preparation of what comes after. You ready for this one? 3.8 million Americans will likely be evicted in the next two months. Biden effect. This is actually not the Biden effect. I I disagree with this. 
This came about because of what we've been talking about, the housing moratorium, so on and so forth. The average rent in the United States of America right now is $2,000 a month. Most people are behind. Nearly half of all renters, more than 30 million people, had been hit with rent hikes in the past 12 months, with 19% paying a monthly increase of $100 to $250, 7% paying $250 to $500, and 4% needing to find another $500 a month to stay in apartments. So that's one part. That is the Biden effect. That is Biden's problem right there. But also you have to take into account the housing moratorium of people going into foreclosures. We saw back in May that number was up to 310% increase in the amount of foreclosures in one year's time span. This is a crisis that is coming faster than you could ever imagine in the United States of America. And I said, how can they take the guns? They take your houses. They take your homes. You have no place to store your guns. What do we have here? A tax on infrastructure. Poultry processing plant catches fire in Montebello, California. Another one. This is up to 30-something now. Um, Trump responded to Alex Jones's COVID vax challenge and said he stands by the vaccine. And Alex says, well, I don't stand by Trump anymore. Well, I understand that. International group of scientists finds 12 brands of COVID injections contain hydrogels and reduce graphene oxide. The hydrogels is really, really important because this is the DARPA technology. We're talking about hydrogels and graphene oxide, which can be um which can be ionized by 5G radiation and basically become the electrical foundation on the nanoscale for various nanotechnologies. And this is what Dr. Lieber at Harvard University was really, really studying with these nano um, um, graphene meshes that can be implemented in the biological um, cell structures that these hydrogels go into and the hydrogels can carry a various different types of technologies into the cells on the nano level and can be activated. So, Crazy shit right there. We knew that these vaccines were bad. We knew that they contained some bad shit. Um, and look at this right here. The European officially rec records a shocking 691% increase in excess deaths among children since EMA first approved COVID vaccine for children. That's just sad. But we're seeing the calling right now of human humanity. We're seeing this genocide occur. And we're at that 18-month point and that 18-month point is being expanded right now, and people are about to start dropping like flies. We're seeing it everywhere. New study reveals disposable face masks contains four times the acceptable carcinogen exposure level. Uh, this is a recent study confirmed disposable face masks release danger levels of car carcinogenic titanium dioxide, TiO2. The masks were required by Dr. Fauci and his cronies during the COVID pandemic. Um, not a surprise to us. A new bill out there, Defund Davos, would deny World Economic Forum taxpayer cash, which is great. House Republicans are introducing this bill, which I hope that they bring it about after the midterm elections in about January timeframe. Um, and I think that's about it for the news and stories. Let me do a summarization of what we talked about yesterday and today. Yesterday, we talked about the plan to save the world, which is really kind of how the whole Q movement got started and what Q was really about and how during this process of trying to uncover who was selling military secrets to foreign countries, they uncovered this whole dark occult world of human trafficking, of sex trafficking, um, of child trafficking, of child sacrifice, of uh, organ harvesting and all these other things. And that they, they found after they got shut down through various points that the best way is to slowly drip this out to the American people through crumbs and wake up humanity this way to formulate a digital army to basically fight against 
disinformation, propaganda, misinformation that was being propagated through these mainstream media channels to at least help bring about an assault onto these globalists and their agenda. Because the more people who are informed and aware of what is happening, the less of an opportunity that that agenda will actually succeed. Today, we talked about how the globalists kind of rose up over the last 150 years, the kind of the various different uh, primary implementations that they did to take over the world and the various aspects and kind of where we stand today. And what we're coming up to right now in November of 2021 is a pivotal point for humanity. There's multiple different scenarios. We've talked about these different scenarios. I talked about it on the Dark Delight show this morning. Um, highly improbable that the Republicans are going to win the House and the Senate, even though they're, they're going to win the House and the Senate. What do I mean by that? Is the Republicans are going to have a red wave. They're going to win the House and the Senate, but either the Democrats are going to cheat, um, the Democrats are going to cheat, they're going to shut down the election, or they're going to declare martial law. One of those situations will occur it, when the Republicans win both sides. So the probable scenario is the Republicans are going to win the House and the Senate, but the Democrats aren't going to let them. They're either going to cheat, they're going to blame cheating on the Republicans or they're just going to declare martial law. World War III breaks out, global financial collapse. Something of like that will happen because they cannot give up power. Um, the most probable situation is they steal three houses in the Senate or three seats in the Senate because three elections being stolen is very hard to detect compared to the whole election, House and Senate, which means that they control the Senate. This is what we have our eyes on. This is what we're watching out for. We're going into this election knowing that they commit election fraud. And so we're going to be watching this like a hawk. And I guarantee you they are definitely going to try to steal this election. They're going to try to steal the Senate because that's the one point that they need to keep. It at least keeps the public perception and the, the less probability of going to civil war because the Republicans at least get the House back. Um, I, I think that this is just not going to happen. I think that uh, I think that we're headed towards... Um, a, a systematic collapse. I think that we're headed towards World War III. I think we're headed towards a global economic collapse. I think we're headed towards a great reset. And I think that that's the point of vulnerability that the patriots, the people, the white hats, the people that are working in the backdrop really, really need to make their final assault and their final attack. The military truly is the only way. And I think that they have enough now to pre- begin. And I think that Durham is going to open this up this week with the Deschenko trial and that the military is going to step in before or after the November election. And this is when everything begins to pop off, at least for the United States of America and taking back our country. Guys, don't forget tonight we have the After Dark chat on socialredpill.com. Um, if you guys want to support the show in any way, shape, or form, the best way to do that is give, send, go. Give, send, go.com slash redpills. And the easy URL to get there is redpills.tv slash go. That takes you over to our give, send, go campaign. If you guys are into crypto, I'm in the crypto. That easy way is redpills.tv slash send crypto. Um, if you, um, <clears throat> you want to check out our sponsors, uh, Mike Lindell, MyPillow. If you guys go on over there, if you go to My Coffee or MyPillow, you can use that promo code RPP to save up to 66%. Um, as well as if you guys are into gold and silver, you have those 401ks, IRAs that you want to get rolled over into gold and silver. If you just want to buy some gold and silver bullion, we've had multiple people work with them. Kirk Elliott is absolutely amazing what he does. GetGoldToday.com. GetGoldToday.com. Or give them a call, 720-605-3900. 
And then my Patriot Supply, get prepared, get prepared now. You see the link right there, redpills.tv slash patriot, redpills.tv slash patriot, my Patriot Supply. They have some great deals going on right now. Other than that, I hope you guys have a fantastic evening. We'll see some of you guys tonight on the social Red Pill on our After Dark chat. That's in just one hour from now at 9 p.m. Mountain, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Everybody else, we'll see you tomorrow on another episode of the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose. Much love, respect. God bless you guys. Take care, and we'll see you guys tomorrow.